0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michael from the Santa Monica Studios, as always, joined now by officially a reoccurring guest. He was on the show last year. He's back again to discuss a lot that's happened in the world of tennis in the last year, and the last week. John Lloyd, the former Australian Open finalist and now author and commentator as well. John, thanks for joining the show so much. Always a pleasure to chat with you.
1: No, my pleasure. Always fun to uh, chat to you. It's always good to catch up.
0: Yeah, well, I want to start with this. I mean, last year when you came on, you were starting the you know promotional tour. It hadn't even been officially released stateside, but the Dear John, the John Lloyd autobiography, it came out. It had a lot of good reviews. What's the process been like of just reacting to the feedback and kind of learning about how you're perceived in the media and, and you know, in the fans and the adoring public?
1: Well, we you know it's been a it's been a fun ride to be honest. Uh, you know it was uh, I really enjoyed it, and, and the thing I've enjoyed most actually is um, it's enabled me to sort of reach an audience where I can do sort of speaking engagements in in um, connection with the book, and so I've been doing quite a few of those appearances. Uh, actually, quite a few in LA, uh, in Florida, and various places. Newport, they're the uh, Hall of Fame, Rhode Island. Uh, where I do a speaking engagement, you know, 50 to 100 people, whatever, and they have the books and we get rid of a few books. And then I just chat for like an hour and and take questions and and then just recollect stories. And it's something I love doing. And the book has really sort of given me uh, an extra incentive to do it. But it's also sort of put me back out in the public, uh, uh, in the eyes of the public to a certain extent. So it's been great.
0: I wanted to ask you about one of the quotes that I came across. I thought it was just so, you know, fascinating, but also, you know, a good introspective look to tennis players and people in the world of fame and get to that point maybe earlier than most. The quote where you said, it's best not to waste time trying to get a handle on fame. You won't work it out. Instead, just go with the flow, keep your head down when the going gets tough. That resonated with uh, a lot of people, I would assume, because especially a sport like tennis where you know, we've seen some veterans break through later, but a lot of times these are kids essentially mm. that become famous overnight and there's no blueprint. There's no roadmap with how to handle it.
1: No, it's very true. It, 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 uh, for me, it was it was sort of I was lucky in that I sort of gradually came through and then became pretty well known in Britain, which, uh, you know, as you know, during the Wimbledon period gets a bit crazy, but by and large. The audience there it's obviously not on the same scale as the United States in terms of the size and and everything else so I sort of grew up uh, became well known there and then when I married Chris my you know kind of the fame sort of tripled but I was sort of used to it to a certain extent so in Mm. some ways it was sort of you know reasonably easy for me to to sort of handle but I see some some of the people now some of the players uh, the young players they get they get very nervous. We've seen it in press conferences and they uh, they don't like people asking this and asking that. And it's yep. one of those things where you've got to if you're a professional tennis player, it's a business. You've got to get used to that. You've got to market yourself. But but the tournaments want to market you as well. So right. if, you, if you can't get used to that, then you're in the wrong business and it's better to take up another sport or another hobby.
0: And you can't pick what country you're from. I know you mentioned like you're being from England. I mean, I look at someone like Emma Kanye. I couldn't even imagine what it's like to go through becoming as famous as she did. An unprecedented run winning the U.S. Open as a mm. qualifier. But then being British and having all these opportunities just thrown at you when there is no, you know, you, you dream of these things. But the, the chance that it happens and the fact that it happens so fast is just a path that most people never even get to.
1: Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, especially in Britain, I I think the only thing I would say in Emma's favour in the fame situation was that Andy Murray was before her uh, because we've been so desperate for a champion, a a, a slam champion in singles for so many years that every year it was like, oh, is it going to happen this year? Oh, no, it's another year. When is it going to end since Fred Perry was the last male? We've had a few women since then, obviously, uh, Virginia Wade, and Jones, um, Angela Mortimer earlier on. But uh, it's been sort of an anxiety time for, for that sort of period uh, when British players have been in the spotlight to to have won a championship, a, a major. When Andy came along, at least that sort of path was was closed, and, and, uh, or, or should I say open, and then when, it, when Emma came along, it, the pressure wasn't quite as much on her as it as it would have been if Andy had not won a a, a slam. Right. Uh, I thought I thought Emma has handled it remarkably well, and she was also in some ways fortunate that it was actually at the U.S. Open and not women If it had been the U.S. Open, <laughs> holy cows! I hate to think what. Well, I think she would have been she would have yeah. been a dame overnight, and I hate to think what else would have happened to her. But uh, yeah. she's handled it very well. It's been a frustrating you know period since then for her in many ways. But I still think she herself has carried it very well and there's a lot of negative stuff out there as well as a lot of positive positive stuff but i think she is she is such a a mature young lady that i think she's handling it remarkably well i know at the moment she's injured but uh, and so she's not playing these tournaments but she will come back and i i, I believe in her totally
0: yeah it's a, it's a long marathon of a career not a sprint and uh, we wish that she comes back healthy comes back to perform Uh, Getting back to last week in the fortnight in France at Roland Garros, another remarkable history-making tournament for both the men and the women. And on the men's side, history was made yet again, and it was made by Novak Djokovic, 23 Mm. grand slams now, third Roland Garros title. He's got the major record. He's the first man to win all four slams three times. There's just not much more, superlative-wise, you can say about this guy, John. I just look at him as the total package of the game itself that's just wonderful, remarkably beautiful, the physical fitness he keeps himself in, and just the mental strength, the ability to tiebreaker, tiebreaker after tiebreaker, lock it down, play efficient, rise in the biggest moments. There, there's just not much more to be said. He is the most accomplished men's tennis player of all time, and he earned it every step of the way.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, for me, you know, I look at the three greats that, that we've had in this last sort of era, and I would put Andy Murray and Stan Vavrinka kind of just out, obviously outside that group but of great players in their own right. But when you think of it, to have Djokovic, Federer and Nadal uh, with what they brought to the table, for me, the prettiest player to watch, the most beautiful, the most artistic out of the whole lot is Roger Federer. For me, he, he's the maestro that, that every match you see him play, uh, he would come up with conjure these four or five shots that defy possibilities and he does it no problem uh Rafa and Novak are different types of players but majestic in their own right Novak to me is just the mental side of what he's come through in these last few years with a few problems uh, here and there obviously and to come through and to break the record like like he has in the men's the hunger he has it 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 just seems that uh He he just wants more and more. And I I personally think that... I think he's loved by quite a few people. I I don't think he's the most popular champion if you're going to compare him to Rafa and Roger. But let's be honest, it's not easy to be as popular as those two. And I think Novak knows that in some ways. Um, I think he gets a bad rap. But I think he's someone that when he stops, and I hope it's going to be a while before that happens, he will go through a different ceiling in terms of his popularity. I think people will when they look back at it, they'll realize how great he, he really is. And, and it's, it's a remarkable journey he's had. And, it, and let's face it, he could win another three, four, five, six of them. I and mean, no one's ever going to catch that.
0: No one. You know, you know, following Federer and Nadal that you brought up is, is a gift and a curse because you'll never be, you know, you're following two of the icon, two of the icons in the sport, their right. popularity. It's hard to match. It's virtually impossible to, that being the curse side, the gift being, it pushed him to limits. You know, hard Correct. to follow that, but he was always chasing them. And you hear guys outside of the big three, outside of the guys you mentioned, a guy who stands out to me is David Ferrer when he retired. And they said, well, mm. your career, what would have been like in a different era? Maybe you'd want to slam. And he said, no, I love this era because they made me better players. So mm. Djokovic to come through all that, to get through to that point. It, it also struck me, John. I mean, this is a guy who's been around so long this trophy ceremony and this, you know, him, him celebrating. Now he's the family man. Now he's the veteran on tour. <laughs> the new top 10 came out. Every player is 27 or under, except for the guy at number one, 36-year-old Novak Joker.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, it is quite remarkable, isn't it? it, it I, I just love the way that, uh, one of the things I do love about Novak, and I think we, we talked about this um, when we did our last podcast, I believe we did, but I, I write about it in the book, is that, He he has said from I don't know how many years ago, but he was chasing the record and it meant a lot to him. Whereas much as I love Rafa and I love Roger, they were both very, um, well, how can I say it? Uh, They were saying whenever people brought it up that we weren't really, they weren't really concerned about breaking the record and blah, 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 blah. And I don't believe that for one second. I'm sorry to say that, but I don't. I think Novak is the one that's telling the truth every player wants records. They, this is what they live for. And mm-hmm. when Novak, I mean you could just see it, how he how he took hold of that that French open tournament and, and as his coach and they were talking about it after just said when when he comes to a slam, he just mentally just goes up three levels and he's just ready to play. Even if he comes into a slam, maybe not at the hundred percent that they would like him to be, Mentally, he just goes above, and and yeah. they know right away that he's ready to go, and it's proved that over and over again. His record is ridiculous; it's absolutely The, the well, I can't remember how many quarterfinals in a row in slams that he's had. I, it was in the twenties; I can't remember what it was. Yeah. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. He's even played the Franks this and uh, these slams as many times as he's had. Let alone win them all, it's unbelievable. Three times each. I mean, it's, it's a joke. Yeah.
0: It absolute is a joke. joke. It is a joke. I wanted to play the audio of this clip from his press conference because you mentioned the the crowd and this is after the semifinal. So I want to play this right now for the listeners out there. Hello, Novak. First, congrats. And then you've been booed by the public uh, several times, including when you won the second games of Carlos in the third set. Uh, How do you react to that? I don't mind. It's not the first, probably not the last time. So
1: I just keep winning.
0: That was, that was just perfect. And that's look. he backs it up. Say what you want about him. And I mean, there's look, nobody's perfect. Everyone's going to have missteps. He's not you know, immune to that, but he backs it up. He's very authentic out there and he uh, appreciated that. And like you mentioned it too, John, he is not slowing down. I think there's the physical side, which is to marvel at a guy, his age, it still looks as strong as he does on the court. But when you've succeeded that much, the mental side, the motivation of look, what more is there to do? But, he still has that drive, and he still has the hunger for more.
1: Well, yeah, there's no question about it. And, of course, he has a chance to win the calendar slam, and I think that's the next motivation he's mm. got right now, and he's he's the favorite to do so, which will be mind-boggling. But just going back to that that press conference, I love the fact when the crowd, uh, when he played his match against um, uh, Fakina um, in the, was that the third quarterfinals or 16s? And he won the second set in a tremendous battle there, the first two mm-hmm. sets for tiebreakers. And he and he celebrated after that second set. Uh, you know, he, okay, I mean, did it look great? I, I I didn't have a problem with it, but the French crowd, they booed him and he just sat at the changeover and gave a sort of a sarcastic hand clap to them. And he's like, you know what, I'm taking you on. And let's face oh. it, the French crowd is the worst of the slams. I mean, they are, they are horrendous. They are horrendous fans, yeah. uh, not all of them, but but a large... They, let's face it, they even turn on their own players if their own players aren't playing well. And it, and what they did to Taylor Fritz was disgraceful as well. But yeah. I love Taylor Fritz's uh, reaction too. There was people criticised him afterwards and said, why did you do that? You're only going to stir them up for the next round. And I was like, so what? That's like playing... He's playing in the Davis Cup away from home. Yeah. When you're in France and you play against a Frenchman, that's going to happen and and they can turn on you at any stage. So take them back on, which is exactly what Taylor did, and then Novak did it, and I love that. He's a warrior, and, and he and he loved that challenge.
0: More with John Lloyd here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Uh, Djokovic simply remarkable. Uh, the final, I do want to give credit, Casper Rude back to the French Open final. It was a uh, rocky last six, seven months or so. He, I've talked about it time and time again. He admitted he mismanaged his off-season. Had some ups and downs, a lot of downs for him, and then he got back to where he is. And really, it goes without saying that his three Grand Slam finals, I mean, three trips, to Grand Slam finals, pretty remarkable for a guy his age and from Norway to do what he's done, a player that's really had to earn it and has turned himself into one of the best quality clay court players in the world.
1: Oh, he he is so tough. Uh, He's so tough. I I, I hope he has a better grass court season this year because he last year he came... Uh, to Queens and quite frankly he was awful it almost looked like he didn't want to be out there on the grass didn't know how to play on the surface and was terrible but what a player he is I mean he is going to be a factor for the next few years I, I think deep down he's probably hoping that Novak doesn't play much longer I mean that I think all of these guys deep down they won't say that of course but yeah. that's what deep down they'll be believing. as soon as he's off the top of the pile then after that I have to be honest that top 10 is 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 a bit open. I mean, you you put Alcaraz at the top of the pile, but the Alcaraz situation, I don't know what you think about that. But for me, I I I I suffered from cramp quite a bit when I played, but I I didn't have the advantages that you do now, where you've got nine people around you with doctors Mm -hmm. and physios and nutritionists and all that stuff. You know, we used to, as I said in my book, you know, I used to eat a steak medium rare with French fries. About two hours before the match and wash it down with a couple of cokes.
0: So we (laughs) had
1: no idea what the hell was going on there.
0: I wanted to ask you that. Yeah. I wanted to ask you that because I've talked to tennis players recently. And and oddly enough, the the player that got my mind into this was Holger Runa, who's Mm. had the issues with cramps. But the tennis community, and you might be in this camp, they've kind of said to me, no, this is a nerve related thing.
1: I don't believe that. You don't believe it. I I don't believe it. And and I'll tell you why I don't believe it. I, I used to have cramps. Now, obviously he's in great shape. If he isn't, which he is, we've seen it, then then his group are, right. are not handling that right. I don't believe that. Okay. I believe and, I, and I'm not a doctor, and I, I'm, I probably am totally wrong. But to me, there's something lacking in his system. You would think that he's being checked out enough, and they would know that. Maybe they are. But I don't believe that. He, he won the U.S Open. Well, he's won a slam. Why would he get extra nervous about playing Novak Djokovic in the semifinals? I mean, it's not like if it was yeah. his rookie event yeah. where he got to the semis. I get it. You can get more tight and everything else. But this guy, I know he's young, but he's already won a slam. He's already beaten Djokovic. I'm not, I don't believe the nerve situation. For me, for him to get cramps after two hours, I was totally and utterly shocked. Four hours yeah. I get, but two hours for someone like that. And I, and I tell you something, they're going to have to fix this up. And what, what are you going to tell him? Don't get nervous. Well, yeah, don't get tight. How are and you going to stop that?
0: The match yes, in Miami, is. I mean, the, the match in Miami against Center, it was oddly similar in the sense yeah. where it's a great match. His level's amazing. There's the way he plays the game and the way he moves is the top it's of the top, but incredible. But yeah, this is going to have to be a thing if it's, you know, this isn't the first time this has happened and it's going to, you know, the long matches, the heavy matches. Now, I don't want to get into the whole debate about how he should play and what managing that it's just you know it's unfortunate because we all wanted this epic match and and full marks to Djokovic he he handled it he's never going to break down anymore somebody who had this problem though back in 2010 and did get it fixed up
1: right exactly I, I for me I you know I listen if it is nerves and I'm totally wrong which I could well be then okay but how do you get rid of that I mean how do you I mean, do you train him? Do you do you have people talk to him about how to kind of relax more in between points? I mean, the night before, the day yeah. of the match, I I don't quite know. But to me, I, I guarantee you the other players on the tour have now thought in their mind that they can, especially over best of five, and if no. it's in all condition, we can take this guy on and stay with him.
0: On rallies, long, rally, it, long it, points, I mean, yeah. yeah it's unfortunate with that it it really is because you know the center match in miami jim courier was on the call and you know i always speak going with him but he he pointed out the that it was a a complete mishap in diet nutrition because you could see alcaraz yelling at his box like i need the water bottle i need to hydrate immediately like something went wrong and that's the part where you know i'm more inclined again we don't know i don't have a direct line in there but i'm more inclined to think that he needs to shore up the diet side, the nutrition and making sure that he's taking full care of himself. And you're that elite when you're that good. And he is that good.
1: He's that good.
0: Maybe you don't have to pay attention to every single detail because your natural ability and your natural drive can get by against most players, but then you get to the highest of highs. And now you got to, you know, have more attention to detail, not an uncommon problem. I guess just manifesting a little differently here.
1: Yeah. I, I, listen, I hope you're right. And I hope it can be fixed up because he is, well, he's already a big star, but he's going yeah. to be a superstar unless this thing affects him, which I don't think it will. They'll figure it out somehow yeah. because he is just, he's a dynamo on the court. I mean, what, yeah. what he puts out is phenomenal. And if you take Djokovic out of the equation, I mean, uh, I don't know how long Djokovic is going to be around, but I, I can see Alcarez, as long as he fixes this up, you know, I can see yeah. him being obviously the next person to dominate. But okay. if I was him, I'd get a hold of him and say, listen, Take what the players used to take in my day, pickle juice. <laughs> yeah. It'll either help yeah. you or you'll throw up all yeah. over
0: the court, one or the other. But what <laughs> yeah. the hell? Yeah. Give it a go. They got the iodine tablets now, too. So there's yeah. options there. I just want to see them finish these matches and, uh, you know, keep this going and manage this problem. But, you know, full marks again to Novak Djokovic, Grand Slam number 23, Grand Slam number four on the women's side, John, to Igas her third Roland Garros. And, you know, suddenly, I mean, She's become the queen of clay in her era. And three of these things at age 22 is nothing to just gloss over. She is just a complete player on that surface. And in this match in particular against Muhova had to battle some, some jitters, some, you know, maybe nerves across the finish line, but got through it and found a way to win when it wasn't her best level. That thoroughly impressed me. Iga reigned supreme yet again in Paris.
1: Yes, she did. And she is just a battler. And of course, unfortunately, to a certain extent, the women's draw got sort of pushed down a bit because of what Novak was achieving. Mm-hmm. But for me, the women's, I mean, the semifinals and the finals were exceptional. The Sabalenka match against Muhova was just, in my opinion, one of the best women's matches for years. And the finals wasn't that, much, wasn't that far behind. And uh, uh, Muhova, um, for me, what a player. What a Such player. an eclectic game, as, as, isn't
0: it? Like how well, she plays is just, oh it's, it's, it's its also is, appealing to the eyes too. Like the way she plays is pretty.
1: Gorgeous player. I mean, to, uh, talk about being able to, I mean, just the way she maneuvers the racket around, the feel she's got, the variety. Uh, I mean, just changing up the game. I love her game. I hope, I don't think it will, but I hope this is not sort of a, a one-off. For her. I don't think it will be because... She is a huge addition to the women's game. And you put her in the mix. With, and Sabalenka is also, I mean, what a player she is. Uh, and it's not going to be there. I can see, yeah. I can see multiple uh, slam winners in the next few years, the way that women are yeah. coming through there. I, I'm not so sure there's going to be someone dominating. I know Shratek at the moment is in the lead, but I'm not so sure she's going to hold on. I know that uh, Clay's her best, but she won't win at Wimbledon on grass. I don't think that's going to happen. And I think there's openings there for some of the other women there to really make a big, big stand against her.
0: Well, Mohova looks, I mean, just on the outside. And again, this is someone that was unseated, but you have to preface it with the injuries, the issues, yes. wasn't like a whoa, whoa, whoa player. It looks like it would translate to grass, to my opinion. Like I would think so. You know?
1: like, if, if she doesn't have a letdown, you know, mm-hmm. just because getting mm-hmm. the finals and all the things that are going to happen to her financially and all the fuss about her, if she doesn't have a letdown... I mean, for me, I would put her right now in my top two or three favorites. For me, uh, uh, the way she plays, I can't imagine why her game won't be spectacular on grass. I just can't imagine it.
0: It was a tough one for Sabalenka, though, to lose the way she did. You know, five games on the trot match points and, uh, you know, going up and down. We know how high the ceiling is, but might have to raise the floor in some of these big matches. Uh, I do want to also... You know, with Iga, getting pushed is going to make her a better player, like we were right. talking about the men and all these things. But, you know, the French Open Open Era record held by Chrissy Everett is seven French Opens. It's in her she, sights. Like, it's very yeah. possible with her age and her ability on this surface.
1: Right. And if you hear Chrissy say that she hopes that Iga, Iga will break that record, she's, t- she's not telling the truth. She doesn't I, want I, her to break the record, I promise you. Yeah. She's a she's a lovely lady, but no yeah. one wants their records broken. Yeah. If they say they do, they're telling they're they're not telling the full truth.
0: I like the old American football player who I'm sure you know and, and hopefully some of the listeners do. Uh, eric dickerson back in the day has the yeah for 2100 rushing or 2100 plus rushing yards in a season he was the only guy i remember that was like no, like actively rooting against every running back that came close <laughs> he's like no i don't want it i thought that was saying everyone thinks it but at least this guy's saying like no but
1: well, well, it's, it's one of the reasons why i love uh apart from i played tennis with him and he's a great guy but jack nicholas the golfer and they asked him <laughs> yeah. years ago do you want tiger woods to break your record he said no I mean, he'd be the first person to go up and congratulate him if he did, because he knows how hard he worked to get it, but you don't want your records broken. No. It's just simple. That's what you play for.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I just with Iga having a couple crop of players or unfortunately wasn't able to finish the tournament, but we've got a class of players going into Ooh. not just Wimbledon, but beyond. Oh yeah. And, you know, it's, it's sink or swim, which is how it should be. You know, I think yes. that's, that's kind of what we've always wanted, right? We don't want the same players winning every slam, but and I know female players of all eras have said this that they want top players to have a tier. They don't want just the random unseeded player that comes through and then never is to be heard of again.
1: Right. Well, I think I think you're right. I mean, it, I think it's fun to have multiple slam winners, but you don't want to get to the stage where, you know, uh, I mean, Ego's already won the, the four, whatever. But you don't want you don't want players just you know. <laughs> Just to win one or two, I mean, everybody would take a lot of people take one or two. I sure as hell would, but but for them to get familiar with the fans and to create uh, uh, crossover stars, you do want them to kind of have a group if they're going to be a group where they're winning five and six and sevens that kind of stuff rather than twos and then they send to fade away. And I, but I think with the current crop of women players that we've got now, I don't see any of those that I've mentioned. And you still we're still talking about Coco Goff and. All these Good. others that are around and the I mean, there's a place that haven't won a single slam yet that, that certainly have the chance. I think the women's game is in a very healthy position right now.
0: Couldn't agree more with that last statement uh, in particular. Uh, as we transition to grass court season, I can't think of anything in pro sports like this where we have a surface change that lasts so briefly. Yeah. It has so much prestige leading to Wimbledon, the most prestigious yes. time there is. But we're gearing up for grass court season and should point out, we're seeing some familiar faces that are back on the tennis court we haven't seen for a while. There's some not so great results in some cases, but, you know, Berrettini, Venus Williams playing, Milos Ranich, who's still going, won his first match. Do you want to to start with Nick Kyrgios, though? He did not look great against uh, Yubing Wu, who is no slouch himself, but Kyrgios has been open about giving himself and, and asking the fans to give him some patience to get back into match shape and try to stay healthy. It's unfortunate because he stole the show at the Wimbledon fortnight last year, but I don't know if there's enough time. I mean, that's the biggest concern is there's not much time for him to play himself back in the form leading to the All England club.
1: I agree. I, I agree. I, I wasn't, you know, when I saw that result with Nick, I didn't see the game, but I've read about it, but yeah, you do, you do wonder whether there's enough time. I, I would love to see him have another run again because he's just, yeah, you know, he brings something to the table that no, you know, no one else really does mm-hmm. on the tour, but I, I would doubt that he'll be matched tough enough to make a run. I, I'd be very sad. I mean, if he gets to the quarterfinals, I think it would be a hell of a good job, but yeah. uh, it's, it's good that at least it's good that he's back. Berrettini, you know, fabulous grass court player, but again, seems to be suffering. I tell you the one who I think might cause a few problems for some of the top players is Andy Murray. Mm. I, I, you know, it's an interesting thing with Andy and, and I might be again, totally wrong with this, but he is geared. If you look at his, listen to his press conferences and everything else, He's really geared his year to this month. I mean, he's already yeah. won a challenger right in Surbiton mm-hmm. last week, but he's really geared his year to Queens and Wimbledon. And I think that when he looks at that top 10, and if you take Novak out of the equation, I think he fancies himself against a lot of these players on grass. And I think he's been trying so damn hard to get high enough ranked so that he'll get a seed, which, which is looking iffy at the moment. Um, if he's in a in a in a good section of the draw, I think he fancies his chances big time to cause some damage. And yeah. if he can if he can get out of this habit he has in slams these days of winning in the first couple of matches but having five hour matches, yeah. um, he could be dangerous. I tell you something: if he's not seeded, he's the most dangerous floater that's been seen at Wimbledon for many many years, if if not ever. And I I I think he could have a good run there. I think I really do.
0: Never have to doubt his, maybe not match toughness, but just toughness in general. He's just gonna Shoot. fight till the till the wheels oh. fall off. Yeah. Last year he ran into an obviously a much better form, but Isner, that was a tougher, you know, again, right. the ranking wasn't as high as it should be. But yeah, I think getting off the court early is huge for a guy like that. But yeah, I mean, you look at the top 10 outside of Novak, won the last four Wimbledons, who's in form and also who's had success here. The lists aren't you know, that no. area, I should say. And even for a guy like Alcaraz, this transition from clay to grass, it's so short. You know, maybe you can, I guess, shed some light on that, what the transition's like. You go from clay to grass and you have to change your game. You have to get yep. used to a whole another style of play. What's the, you know, what are the most challenging parts of that whole process?
1: Well, it, it, it has changed. Uh, it, it, uh, grass to clay or clay to grass is, is the toughest thing in our sport. It used to be, in the old days, a lot worse when ball won it three times because the grass in those days was totally different than it is now. The balls were bouncing down by your, your ankles and your knees. And so it was a much faster game with a lower, faster bounce. Now they've got this slower, uh, they've put this more durable grass in where the ball bounces harder. And it is more like a hard court in certain ways, except for the movement and the way the ball slides on the court. Um, so it is a different feel. There's no doubt about it. I'm interested to see Alcaraz. I'm commentating at Queens Club on Monday, and he's, he's in the draw. Um, I'm I'm also interested to see how some of these players how they have to move their court position uh, on the return of serve. If you saw at the French Open, sometimes they were so far back they were almost climb into yeah. the spectators. They, I don't think you'll be seeing that on grass. Uh, it, it's too you know it, the ball doesn't get up as high. And I think you're more vulnerable for short balls there. If if, if you okay. if you give away that much court space, that much real estate, so they have to adjust and change court positions in certain ways. They have to bend a bit more. They have to mm-hmm. their movement is different. It's a whole different game when they get half court balls. You know they they, they they're gonna have to be a bit more uh, positive on the approach shots on the grass. Uh, the serve comes into it more. Yeah, I, I love watching the the, the difference mm-hmm. between between and and it is a big difference. I always... When again, it's the old days. But my first thought was, you got to bend more. You got to stay yeah. down on the ball more. You got to really feel that ball on the strings. If you come out of it too soon on the grass, the ball doesn't do anything. Um, and and again, in the old days when it was serve volley, people said, well, it's easier because you know it wasn't as long as rallies as it is on the clay." But I think in some ways, uh, in some ways, it was more difficult because your concentration had to be because. I, in some ways, even more, because on grass, you lose your serve on grass, it is tough to break back on the grass. The ball zips through right. more on, on the on the surface. It spins out wider. You lose a break on serve at Wimbledon. I'm not saying you, you your set's yeah. done, but you're in big trouble, whereas Clay, you feel like you can come back. You can get enough returns back in play, uh, uh, and the the core surface helps that with the, with the highness of the bounce. That it doesn't go through the court as much. You lose on grass, so your focus when you're holding serve, you've got to keep your mind on it the whole time. You have one lapse, and you lose a stupid yeah. game on your on your serve. Set could be over.
0: Yeah, when you were saying return position, it made me think. Not really a, a ringing endorsement for Daniil Medvedev on the grass. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> it, yeah. It's it's still remarkable to think and pointing out that grass court season is a week longer than it used to be. Yeah. Ford doing what he did is just absurd, that he would just go clay, not even play a warm-up, just get a couple hits in, and then go win Wimbledon.
1: Well, that was was beyond belief, because in those days, as I say, the surfaces were night and day, Mm -hmm. the difference. And he used to take off four or five days after the French, and then he would go to a club called Cumberland. And actually, I was lucky enough, I think I may have mentioned this last time, but I I was lucky enough to practice with him a couple of times there. And he was so bad the first three or four days on the grass, he was terrible. And I kept thinking to myself, why the hell is there not an umpire right now and letting me beat this guy on grass? Because I know yeah. I can beat him. Yeah. And then after about three or four days, gradually you'd get the hang of the ground strokes and yeah. you know keeping the ball better in play and serving volume and mixing it up. And then all of a sudden he was the Borg we all loved and he won it. Well, I think it was three times. He won it. the neo, uh, the French and we would him back to back. I believe it was three times.
0: That's right. I th- yeah.
1: I think it was three, which is, a which is without question, the toughest thing to do in our sport. No mm-hmm. question about it. And he did it three times. I don't think he gets enough credit for that.
0: Yeah. The last time you were on, you kind of caused an uproar. We got more people going to the LA parks, trying to find Bjorn Borg on the public court. <laughs> that story. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. That exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, a couple more things with john lloyd here on tennis channel inside in yeah as we kind of you know look at grass court season i do want to give a shout out i mentioned to her still playing venus williams at 42 wasn't oh, able no. to win her first first round match in her tog but you look at you know her still on the court the passion the love of the game and also you know she played someone born in the year 2005 and, and the <laughs> trend of her career so she's played someone born in 1960 was the oldest opponent in 2005 so we're going from when Kennedy was alive till pre, you know, YouTube and social media.
1: Uh, how, how amazing is that? When you look back at her career and I remember Richard Williams saying that uh, because he got a lot of criticism, all the girls did for sort of taking time off and doing other things. And he said, oh, they're not going to be playing that long. And their tennis is, you know, they've got other things in their life. I mean, if he'd have known that both of his daughters would have played yeah. as late as they have and the love of the game, I think that's one of the most proudest things that he'd probably have in his many great moments he's had with his two girls on the court. The, the, the love of the game just sh- uh, shows through because let's face it, Venus or Serena, but particularly Venus, uh, Serena, okay, you could say she was chasing records and that may have kept her longer than she would have normally played. But yeah. Venus isn't, Venus isn't ch- it, She's not catchy, going after any records. She just loves to play. And, and I love to see it. She's like like Jimmy Connors. I mean, was playing? Jimmy wasn't chasing any records. You know, Ken Roswell getting the finals of those tournaments at, what, 39 and 40. I mean, it, it, that love of that game. They Venus, I believe, and probably Serena too, but Venus, I see her. I see her hitting balls till she's whatever, 80, 90. I just see yeah. her. She's that sort of person that just loves hitting the ball. It's wonderful to see it.
0: Yeah, it really is. You know, it's somebody that like with their sister, they're supporting that the the family of tennis is still involved and it's, it's just, it's just a blast. Well, John Lloyd, you're about to head to over the pond. You're about to leave and go and and really get back into the broadcast booth for the first time in a while. Excited to start calling some matches here.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm always get a bit nervous the first week because it's uh, Queens and it's, um, you know, right into the action. And, and to be honest, you know, I'm, I'm watching tennis and, but I haven't commentated for almost a year. I just do this sort of month, you know, and you, you, you get in there and it's like, okay, you've got to get your timing back. It's like, I'm, I'm playing tennis again. You know, you're going out there and kind of relearning and you've got to just get right into it because the camera's right on you and you can't mess around these days. You say one thing that might be slightly off key and you're in trouble. Uh, But, but we have a good, we have a good group at the BBC and Queens is, you know, I, and I'm going to say this right now. And I know you know this, but, if you can't get Wimbledon tickets, and let's face it, not that easy, go to Queen's sometimes from the States. It's one of the best kept secrets, I think, on the men's tour. It is a fantastic tournament that you get a great draw there, yeah. That the intimacy of the place, you're right by the players. You can go up there and have a little pins like, you know, around the lunchtime, just like all the yeah. Brits do. Uh, and you're right in the centre of London, and uh, one of the oldest clubs in, in 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 the country, if not the world. Yeah. It is an absolute blast. And if anybody hasn't been to Queens to watch the tournament there, they're missing out because it is spectacular.
0: It's also one of the biggest trophies too every year. Oh like, my God, that's exactly never, right. That, that, that trophy. trophy,
1: that big. I know. Yeah, <laughs> you always you always wonder whether someone's going to drop it.
0: Yeah. yeah, so it's a lot. You got to get the off season training in. And, 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 two, like, you're, a, you still got the All England Club membership. So there's some behind yes. the doors there. That's, that's pretty prestigious. You know, what is it like being a member at that club?
1: Well, it's, 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 it's pretty nice. I mean, to be honest, I'm, I don't live there. So I don't go there, you know, during the year very much, hardly at all, actually. But it's pretty spectacular when friends of mine that, you know, they ask to come and I'm like, well, get in line. I've got a big line here of people that want to come. Uh, but uh, it is a maj- it's a majestic tournament. the club is amazing um, I'd like I-, I wish they would lighten up on a few of the rules uh, here and there which is a member you've got to you know all the all the old white and you can't do this and you can't have a stripe on your shirt and your shorts and your shoes you gotta, you've got to you've got to have all white <laughs> shoes you Ooh. can't even have a you can't even have a colored sole on your shoes that's how strict they are there so there's a few of these sort of rules I'd like to change but it is a magnificent club
0: yeah it's definitely one to keep your eye on for you know, not just the prestigious nature of the tennis, but just the pomp and circumstance or is really oh, yeah. Wimbledon and the lead up with Queens club is a beautiful thing. Well, John Lloyd, I have one last thing. You've been a great guest as always on this show. I just wanted to know someone from experience. Do you have any advice for Paul Vidosa and Stefano Sitsipas? Any, any, any advice for how they're going to attack the world together? However <laughs> That might be.
1: Well, well, I, I would say that, uh, how can I put this? Not easy. Not easy if you're in the same sport. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've at least there are a few more tournaments now where you've got uh, where you're together. But it, it's uh, it can be a bit of a lonely life on the tour when you're traveling apart. It's not the easiest uh, to to get on with it because you both want your careers to be successful too. So, but hey, the other the the great thing about it, uh, which people don't think, you've got someone that you're having a relationship that understands exactly what you're going through and and to be honest when you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend you know whichever whatever it is it takes time to to almost because tennis players we're selfish beasts and we have uh, we have different habits on and off court and we have a different mental side and there are things that you say to your loved one after they win or after they lose or after they are or when they're about to play the night before that if you're not in the game, you can say just the wrong things. And it and it sounds very sort of stupid and selfish. Well, it is. But that's the way it is. So when you've got someone in your own sport that, that's around there, they know what you're feeling. So they know when to lay off, when to encourage you, when to sort of not talk too much, when to whatever, get out of your way, and so on and so on. So I hope they have a great relationship. They've, I mean, why not? They're good, they're good people. It'll be fun to watch, though.
0: Yeah. Hope, uh, hope everyone's happy. That's the first thing, you know, yes. it lasts could be a lifetime could not be, but you know, hope they're happy. And, uh, thanks again so much, John Lloyd, for taking time out of your oh, day. My pleasure. busy schedule coming. You're always welcome on this show. It's a blast to talk and learn some stuff from you. So thanks again for coming on tennis channel inside in
1: my pleasure. Thanks. For, thanks for having me.
0: That was John Lloyd on Tennis Channel Inside In. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, Apple, Spotify, all your podcast platforms. Sign up and subscribe and have it automatically loaded into your device or your phone. We're back next week. More grass court tennis to discuss on the road to Wimbledon now. Thanks again to John Lloyd. My name is Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. We'll see you next week.